0: Now, let's delve into some blunt business with your host, Sean Eubanks.
1: Thanks for joining us and welcome to Blunt Business. I'm your host, Sean Eubanks of Strainwise Consulting. And on our show today, we have Darcy Bomford, who is the CEO and Director of True Leaf Medicine International Limited, which is a Canadian-based health and wellness company. The company has two subsidiaries. One is called True Leaf Pet. And the other is True Leaf Medicine. While True Leaf Pet is dedicated to developing functional hemp-based pet products, True Leaf Medicine is a licensed producer applicant and has reached the final stage of becoming a supplier of medicinal cannabis products for both people and pets under the Canadian government's legal cannabis program. True Leaf Pet is pioneering the pet supplement market with its innovative and safe hemp-based product line. True Leaf Pet has also tripled its product line within 18 months of launch, secured distributions throughout the U.S., Canada, Europe, and New Zealand, and has seen revenue grow significantly month over month. True Leaf Medical has been given approval by Health Canada to build its grow facility and will be subject to a Health Canada security inspection upon completion for the cultivation, manufacture, and distribution of cannabis products. Darcy himself has three decades of executive management experience and a 30-year history of manufacturing pet products in three federally inspected plants throughout the United States and Canada. He is highly adept at building brands through corporate vision, strategy, and the successful development of relationships with team members and strategic partners. Darcy, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks, Sean. That was a great intro. Couldn't have done it better myself. Hey, thank you. Thank you.
1: Well, it is uh, it's a pleasure to have you on. Congratulations on your success. I think at the end of this podcast people are gonna start to understand what True Leaf is about. You have some unique things. Um, we'll talk about Reggae Plus and a couple of, of of opportunities, but um yeah, congratulations so far. It, it's it's um it's really impressive what you've accomplished. So you have two businesses. Um, first, I kind of touched on that. Is there anything you want to expound on? Kind of introducing the difference between um, the hemp-based pet products and and the other side.
2: Uh, no, I could kind of tell you how we how we got there. Initially, when we applied under Canada's uh, it was called the MMPR program at that time, and mm-hmm. uh, we are one of the very early companies in Canada to apply for a medicinal cannabis license to produce medicinal cannabis in Canada and sell it direct to consumer. But uh, soon after we applied, which was in July 2013, uh, there's literally almost, uh, actually over a thousand companies that applied that year. And the whole program slowed to a trickle, right? And the approval process was very slow. And that's uh, specifically why we did a segue into the pet industry and started up True Leaf Pet. So it uh, was able to you're able to launch some products, hemp seed based and generate some revenue while we're waiting for our cannabis approval in Canada. So that's that's how we ended up with the two different divisions.
1: Yeah. And so to some of our listeners uh, understanding you have you're federally compliant in both Canada and the United States, while other CBD competitors in the U.S. are all federally illegal. Can you expound on that?
2: Yeah, that's, that's correct. Uh, our our pet formulations are supplements for pets and the primary active ingredient in three formulations is hemp seed and we don't touch the leaf which makes our product completely federally legal in all U.S. states. And we, we do add other ingredients to support the hemp seed and, and the function of the hemp seed is primarily omega-3, omega-6, omega-9 and some other active ingredients. But we also add, like for example, we have a hip and joint product. We add the turmeric and some other ingredients for hip and joint support. And we have a calming product, and we have an immune and heart product. So primarily they're legal because we don't touch the leaf, and there's no CBD or THC, of course, in the products either.
1: Yeah, and so you think that you're best positioned to generate revenue today because of your safe hemp-based products um it, but then you have tomorrow with your medicine, medicinal marijuana license so you're kind of touching both sides sort of hedging your bets there
2: yeah yeah you know i think cbd does hold an incredible amount of promise and, and we are going to be doing some research and r&d on cbd uh, in canada though like we won't launch uh, cbd products for pets until it's uh, legal right and in, and the same goes for the us market too you know hopefully at some point At some point, the federal rules around CBD from hemp in the U.S. change, and then we'll be in a good position to launch a further range of products that do contain CBD. But until that happens, uh, we're not going down that road.
1: And right now, your focus, Darcy, is on raising capital, providing a platform for people to invest directly into TrueLeaf. That's really your focus right now, right?
2: Yeah, and we we were uh, before a small public company in Canada. We we're trading on the CSE exchange, and then earlier this year, we did a uh, co-listing on the OTC markets in the U.S. And uh, but we also saw, you know, a, a pretty innovative way to raise money in the U.S. markets is called Reg A Plus. And it's uh, a form of equity crowdfunding, so uh, Trulife ended up being the first public company from Canada to be approved for Reg A Plus in the US in a, and sanctioned by the SEC. So it's, it's pretty cool, and it's a great place to be. You know, It took us 11 months to get there. We started in January, and we were approved in November. And uh, our initial target is $10 million Canadian. And it looks like we're going to reach that already this month. So you know, it's it's been a, a great success so, so far with the race.
1: Wow! Congratulations! And so, are you going to use most of that ten million uh, for the production facility in British Columbia, or, or what are your what what usage are you going to to, uh, to implement there with that capital?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's correct. We're we're probably going to see at least eight eight and a half million dollars directed towards the cannabis facility. And okay. then, uh, obviously, there's some costs associated with the raise, and then we'll have a little bit left over for the pet business as well. And then uh, we'll be doing another raise later this year.
1: Are you, are you uh, retrofitting a building? Are you building from scratch, brand new?
2: Yeah, well, we originally had uh, an option to lease a 16,000-square-foot building on a 40-acre parcel in the interior of BC, a little town called Lumbee. And as the market heated up earlier this year, or last year, we uh, actually undertook to buy the complete forty-acre parcel, so we had an option to buy. And then, with the success of our raise, and we're at over five million U.S. today already, we executed the option to buy the the complete forty acres. So we'll be actually tearing down the the older building. It made more sense to tear it down and actually build a brand new building on the site. So that's what we'll be doing as we uh, as we move forward.
1: And are you growing greenhouse or outdoor or a combination of both?
2: Uh, Initially, it'll be a 16,000-square-foot indoor grow, and it'll be a a hydroponic operation, wash-down rooms, uh, probably close to being pharmaceutical-grade. For sure, it'll be Mm food-grade using special composite walls and uh, very high-level construction. Then we're going to have a central hub, hub, about a 9,000-square-foot central hub that houses the offices, the lab, future extraction facilities there. And then that hub, we can add other wings as we grow the business. So we can add, you know, two or three other 16,000 square foot grow wings. And then uh, as a, as we go forward, we are looking at the greenhouse concept. And it also looks like Health Canada is going to allow maybe some outdoor growing as well. So you know, we have a, diff- a number of different options in front of us.
1: And is the point to secure the 40 acres, is it just to have a secure location? Or what was the, the point behind that if you're not focused on the outdoor?
2: Well, you know there's room there to build over a million square feet if needed right it, it depends on how the market unfolds, but we see you know very high quality hydroponically grown cannabis uh, being in high demand you know there's there's a lot of production coming online this year, but whether or not it's it's really high grade and will meet the, the needs of the cannabis connoisseur well that's another question right so having the, the large location gives us a lot of room to, to do different options of growing in the future. And it's a great location. Uh, Lumbee's a small town, and they're really looking for a new industry. So uh, they're anxious to have us there and to grow the company.
1: Excellent. Well, we need to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be rejoined by Darcy Bomford, who is the CEO and director of True Leaf. During the break, check out his website at www.invest.com dot true leaf t-r-u-e leaf.com. don't go away we'll be right back
0: rolling into some sponsors but we'll be right back with more blunt business
4: At Alternative Vibes, our core values of quality, loyalty, respect, and honesty guides us in our mission to help families find peace and harmony through our products and services. Whether you are looking for a more natural way of living, shopping essential oils, topicals, and edibles, or searching for a path towards achieving your goals, we are your choice. Learn more about our complete line of natural products and solutions at alternativevibes.com. Bringing quality of living to life. AlternativeVibes.com
5: in as little as four weeks, bringing CO2 extraction to the masses. Learn more at com. Four-week build excludes high production systems.
0: I hope you didn't forget about us, because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com.
1: Welcome back to Blunt Business. I'm your host, Sean Eubanks, and we have been talking to Darcy Bomford, who is the CEO and director of True Leaf. Welcome back, Darcy. Yeah, great to be here. So, director and CEO, which is more
2: fun, being the director or the CEO? <laughs> probably director Yeah, but being the B being, being the CEO obviously comes with a lot of responsibility, but yeah, we're having fun at the same time too.
1: Yeah. If you're the director, you can just blame the CEO, right? So it's not me. Exactly. Other yeah, guy. Exactly. Yeah. And then if you're the director, if you have yeah. to fire the director, you still have a job. You're good. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um, perks to both, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So on your website, which is invest.truleaf.com, you actually have a button there that's invest now. And so this regulation A plus is something that's probably new to people, crowdfunding, um, but you have a way right now for people to invest in your company. You have a lot of good uh, frequently asked questions on there. You go, you break down, um, you know, who they're investing in, how much capital you can use. Um, There's some citizen requirements here. Um, I think you do a tremendous job of just explaining what it is and what you're using the capital for? Um, what I, I mean, so you've you've got uh, David Dobkin, who is of Bowstead Securities. He's the lead underwriter. I think when people are listening, they need to understand that the team behind you is phenomenal, and that these uh, the underwriters, which is which is just crucial to 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 these to offerings and IPOs. Um, I mean, they're very 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 strong, and you 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 sound like you have an incredible team behind you.
2: Yeah, yeah, we're really happy. We've, we've spent a lot of time and and capital, you know, getting to the, getting this far, and it it is true. You know, originally when we first looked at crowdfunding, we thought maybe we could raise all of the funds specifically from the crowd only, and uh, which would be great. But I think you know it, it takes a, absolutely a ton of marketing to be able to generate that much interest from the crowd. And as we move forward, we realized that we were going to need more capital. So you know, about halfway through the process. We started in January, and then a few months in, we realized, you know, we're going to need some more capital, and the cannabis market was definitely heating up, so we wanted to make sure we had enough to finish the facility in Lumbee. And uh, we thought, well, you know, we better backstop uh, the raise from the crowd and have some institutional and retail funds uh, come into the company as well. And that's when we came across David Dobkin at at Bowstead, and they've already done a few crowdfunding raises. Reggae plus raises been very successful. We really hit it off. So that's when we signed up Bowstead <coughs> excuse me as the underwriter.
1: Yeah, and so in your yeah. you you can raise up to fifty million dollars doing this, right? The Reggae platform?
2: Yeah, yeah, you can raise up to fifty million every year actually under the Reggae Plus platform
1: incredible and so for our listeners you're you're able to invest here whether you're an accredited or non-accredited investor this is fascinating to me so this came this jobs act came out in june of 2015 the obama administration um interesting because it's it's kind of deregulatory in nature and uh but also i I think a, a tremendous opportunity i feel like it should have been uh you know, announced better because it's, a, it's an incredible opportunity. But you're, you've seized on it, and, and you've got a way for people to participate, the everyday guy uh, that doesn't have to jump through the hoops of um, accreditation and, and improve capital and, and income and all those things. So you've got a tr- uh, an incredible platform here.
2: Yeah, yeah, and, uh, you know, probably long overdue. And, you know, the whole world is going online, and really this is probably the start of the capital markets going online as well. And as you mentioned, you know, it gives everybody the chance to actually own equity in a company that they support without having to go through the traditional channels of, you know, getting a a brokerage house involved and going through all the paperwork. You actually can just click on our website and actually buy equity right off of our website, which is really cool.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm looking at. I mean, you have, uh, it's interesting. I I, I spoke with someone in Las Vegas uh, earlier this, or last year, 2017, and it was interesting. he he pulled me aside and said, "Hey, look, I, I love the fact that the United States is stumbling with um, with prohibition. And because right now Canada has a wide open field, a chance to gain tremendous market share. So not only just Canada having a better you know being legal, that advantage, you've got import-export possibilities. Um, but now you're doing this regulation a plus, how long do you think Darcy, you're going to have an advantage here? You know, I and mean, you mentioned on, even on your website that there are a lot of people that are flooding into the industry. If people know that, I think everybody's at least taken a look at it, but you seem to have a competitive advantage for, for the foreseeable future here.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It was an opportunity that we took, you know, and the timing is, is perfect really, um, You know, Reggae Plus, it is early on, but uh, the other companies that have entered the space have been very successful. And it's interesting that, uh, you know, under the Jobs Act, uh, coincidentally, at the same time, a group from Canada went down and approached, uh, I'm not sure if it was Obama, but approached the group that was putting it together and said, look, you know, can Canada tag along under this Jobs Act, uh, Reggae Plus platform? And they said, sure, why not? So Canada is actually the only country in the world right now that can participate. Uh, under this financing model in the U.S., so and we're the first company to to do it and take advantage of it.
1: Yeah, and you have a minimum investment here of three hundred fifty Canadian dollars, right? So low yeah. entry point for someone to just to buy in. I mean, I have friends right now that are that are buying into Bitcoin at as as high as it is now, and and they're you know that that micro market has developed there where they're allowed to just sort of they don't have to buy a full coin, right? Spend the sixteen thousand or whatever yeah, the number yeah. is right now, uh, so they're able to kind of participate in that movement, and some guys have made 30% in the last month just on that, even with the dips and the, and the spikes that's happening, yeah. but I really love the fact that you're allowing someone to commit a small amount of capital and share in your success.
2: Yeah, and we did that purposely, right? We wanted uh, to really have the people that you know, buy our products, and I guess specifically our pet products, because pet people are passionate people, they love their pets just like their own kids. And uh, you know, allowing them to actually participate in the equity of our company, we thought was a great idea. And you know, the, the processing cost for every uh, equity order is the same, right? So you know, some cases, it's, we're probably not making a, a lot of money on the three hundred and fifty dollar order, but we feel it's worth it because those shareholders are going to be long-term, long-term supporters of the company.
1: Yeah, and then you, you know,
2: so it would it, be great. To, yeah.
1: Yeah, go oh, ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Darcy. I interrupted you.
2: No, that's okay. yeah that's really what our focus was to try and spread out our shareholder base and uh, have share- shareholders that really love what we we're doing and support the company long term and uh, basically in it for the long you know the, their long, they're long long term shareholders they are not going to sell it specifically if it you know raises me 5 or 10% right they're going to stay there for a while and hopefully keep it in their safety deposit box as a long term investment
1: yeah and so for um People concerned uh, about that are looking at, at you from the United States, most of the times in the United States, you get the license approved first, you're granted the license, then you begin the design and build-out phase. In this case, you're, you're in the, the build-out phase of the process. Um, tell me, as an, a potential investor, what I need to hear right now that's going to make me feel secure that you're, you're going to get that license.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's a very common question, and unfortunately, that's kind of the way the program is set up here in Canada. And I, I guess it it uh, evolved that way because there's so many companies that jumped into the into the race to get a license and actually started building. Right, so at this point in time, the most crucial milestone, apart from the first uh, initial application, is security clearance. And we waited over two years to just go through this high level security clearance with all of our officers and directors and and higher level people in the plant and now essentially you know we've we've submitted all the paperwork we've outlined all of our qa plans uh, security is very important so there's a high level security plan and there's a business plan attached so we've passed all of those milestones and health canada now has basically said okay you're approved you have to now build the building and then uh, you get actually when when the facility is done you can send them a video of uh, you know, pictures of the inside of the plant, copies of all the paperwork, and then they give you a license to grow, and then you grow three lots of cannabis, and then after that it is completed and they inspect it and test the product, and then you get a license to sell. So, yeah, every indication is that companies that go through those final steps will get a license, and uh, that's yeah. where we're at right now.
1: Uh, I appreciate you clearing that up Darcy because that's very similar to what we do in the United States. You're getting basically essentially a provisional license. You've still won it and you need to provo- uh, pr- prove that you're operational. So I think from a, from an investment standpoint, something people in the cannabis space are going to be very comfortable with. Um, it's not a big leap of faith to, to think that you're going to get that license.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We've been sticking it out for four years. You know, we've, We've done everything by the books, and we've got a great team and a solid business plan, so we're you know, 100% confident we will get the license.
1: Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be rejoined by Darcy Bomford, who is the CEO and director of True Leaf. During the break, check out his website, which is www.invest.truleaf.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
0: Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business.
4: At Alternative Vibes, our core values of quality, loyalty, respect, and honesty guides us in our mission to help families find peace and harmony through our products and services. Whether you are looking for a more natural way of living, shopping for essential oils, topicals, and edibles, or searching for a path towards achieving your goals, we are your choice. Learn more about our complete line of natural products and solutions at alternativevibes.com. Bringing quality of living to life. AlternativeVibes.com.
5: one in as little as four weeks, bringing CO2 extraction to the masses. Learn more at apekssupercritical.com. Four-week build excludes high production systems.
0: I hope you didn't forget about us, because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com.
1: Welcome back to Blunt Business. I'm your host, Sean Eubanks, and we have been talking to Darcy Bomford, who is the CEO and director of TrueLeaf. Welcome back to the show, Darcy.
0: You
2: bet. Thanks, Sean.
1: So, TrueLeaf is the only company to offer quality of life cannabis products for both people and pets. Um, that's surprising to me. Why do you think other people
2: aren't in the space? Uh, well, I think you know, because we initially started out as a cannabis company applicant, and then uh, I personally have over 30 years' experience in the pet industry, and I exited uh, that company at a one-year non-compete. So, I, I, I took the path into the cannabis space, And then uh, we had a slowdown in our application process, and my non-compete was up, so we pivoted into the pet industry, and we developed a great product line and started generating revenue there. And then, lo and behold, our government changed, and Prime Minister Trudeau was elected, and he probably was elected in good part to his pro-cannabis platform, right? So all of a sudden, the cannabis industry in Canada took a turn, and now we have these two divisions, And we have two separate teams that we're building out. The the leaf Pet team is already in place and doing really well. And now we're building out the leaf Med side of the business.
1: Yeah. And so looking at your website here, Darcy, um, something that jumps out at me is the strength of your team. I'm sure you get asked that question quite a bit from potential investors. But you have the former premier of British Columbia and the mayor of Vancouver, who is the chairman, Mr. Michael Harcourt. How did you land that gentleman uh, to your team?
2: Yeah, absolutely great guy. Early on, we were we were looking for people to support what we were doing, and Mike was recommended by a friend of mine, and uh, he joined the company right at the very beginning, and he's been with us ever since. Excellent. Yeah, that's
1: wonderful. Because you know, people invest in teams, as you know, um, you got a you got an incredible platform here where people can click on and invest now three hundred and fifty Canadian dollars. Um, and then there's other information here wh- which will allow people to basically commit up to 10% of their income, which is great because you um, your annual income, so it protects investors there. Um, which is excellent, but it also notes that there's no restrictions for this regulation A-plus offering, no restrictions at all for accredited investors. Are you finding most of your capital right now is coming, the, the initial $10 million that you've almost hit, is that coming from accredited investors, or are you, are you picking up small-time guys along the
2: way? Yeah, we have. You're probably right. I think most of it is accredited investors, but I think we'll probably end up somewhere around 1,000 uh, smaller investors from the crowd. And then the rest will come from institutions and retail, family office, such.
1: Excellent. Well, um, I want to congratulate you on everything you've got going on. You've got an outstanding team here. Um, on your website, you've got basically an offering summary here. It tells you what the share price is currently, uh, details on that. It talks about investment minimum. Um, the company traction is there. What else do we need to know if I'm on the fence about investing, tell me something that's going to get me off the fence and move forward and commit to some type of capital with true
2: leaf. Yeah. Well, the best thing right now is that our stock price is doing incredibly well. You know, the offering today is at 70 cents Canadian. And as of right now we're trading, you know, just over, I'm just looking at it right now, buck 40. So it's, um, you know, you're instantly, instantly making money, and there's just so much interest in the space right now that people are buying and selling the stock out of the market. Where if you actually go to our website, you can actually buy equity for seventy cents, right? And it's trading at a buck forty-five right now. So, fantastic opportunity, you know. And uh, we think it's, uh, we we hope that it's going to keep going higher. The timing is right. The luck is, uh, is on our side right now too. So, it's a <clears throat> perfect time to get into the cannabis industry for sure.
1: Yeah, it's tremendous growth. I mean, the um, the fundamentals behind your company and what you're doing. The the pet market is is um, I think around fifty billion total, uh, tremendous market in the United States anyway. So your position there, you've got you're hedged against that. You've got great indication. You've already raised a ton of money. Um, You got all this momentum in your place. Uh, It just seems like an incredible deal. Are you worried at all, Darcy, about the massive what some people are calling a bubble for the cannabis stocks in
2: uh, in Canada? Well, you know, I think investors have to be careful. You know, they have to look at the companies they're investing in and and check their share structure, their market cap. You know, definitely some of them are overvalued. I think Mm -hmm. we still have a long ways to go, and we have a pretty solid foundation there. We are generating revenue, right? We we closed on just under $800,000 in sales for half of our fiscal year, which is a great start, and that that was all from the True Leaf Pet side. And we expect that division to to carry on and generate more revenue. You know, the, the break-even with that division is just a little over $2 bucks. So we have a little ways to go, but, you know, a really good, solid start of, of revenue. And on the medicinal cannabis side, you know, we're still probably – we probably won't be generating revenue until fall this year and our break even will probably be a year out. Right. So sure. You have to be careful what you're investing in, but definitely there's a, a huge market in front of a huge opportunity.
1: Do you have any plans for growth? I mean, are you thinking about maybe pushing into the retail side of things um, or do you want to stay on the cultivation processing manufacturing and then maybe acquire some other companies that make sense? Or have you guys thought about growth?
2: Well, we're focusing our our efforts with uh, True Leaf on the medicinal side, so we're going to be uh, marketing to naturopathic doctors and uh, cl- and clinics. So you know we may team up with uh, naturopathic clinics and offer sort of a True Leaf uh, system so that they can prescribe and recommend our products to their patients. But also on the other side, too, it sort of depends on how the market rolls out. You know, the government still has uh, some announcements to make on how it's going to be distributed. Right In Canada, uh, LPs or licensed producers are allowed to market nationwide via e-commerce, but every province will have a different set of regulations, right? So in B.C., they're still firming it up. Uh, it's going to be distributed yep. by the Liquor Board, and they're going to have private and public retailers, right? So we'll see it at some point there might be an opportunity there for us to also open up retail locations.
1: We've had... We've had some stumbling in the United States with, you know, Nevada's rollout. Washington had some issues. Each state has had something uh, that's kind of come up and, and it's been a learning process. But most would agree Nevada's distribution model was challenged, flawed from the beginning. Um, California is just now rolling that out and, and, and seems to have a have learned some lessons. Is there a province in Canada that you prefer over the other as far as more of a free market approach or are all the provinces sort of trying to learn as much as they can, figure it out and and try to roll out a similar program?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I think British Columbia is well positioned to be sort of the innovator in Canada. B.C. is kind of like California to the U.S. You know, it's, uh, I guess you call it the bellwether province. A lot of trends start here. It's Mm -hmm. the West Coast lifestyle, pretty laid back. And I think probably cannabis consumption in British Columbia is, is higher than anywhere else in Canada. Right. And it does look like they are adopting this private-public model, right, which will allow dispensaries to continue to sell product. All of that product will probably have to come from a licensed producer, which you know, which is fine by us. It'll it'll pass all the QA requirements.
1: Well, and the liquor model has worked, right? I mean, it's not what we do in the United States, but it, it's absolutely worked for Canada. So hopefully they'll be able to follow suit, and it'll it'll start to uh, start to smooth out.
2: Yeah, you know they need. One provincial government body to manage the distribution, so you know. I guess it makes sense to use the liquor c- control board. They have warehouses, they have some security in place already. Uh, I, I kind of doubt they'll be selling cannabis in liquor stores. It's you know probably not a good idea, uh, but I'm confident they'll figure out a system that works.
1: Yeah, and just with the liquor board actually, um, you know, managing that because when we when we look at the United States and we look at I- issues, the more bureaucracy and the more um, agencies that are involved, uh, the, the more, uh, well, the more cost gets driven up, right? Uh, when you're collecting taxes and other yeah. things, uh, it just ends up, the, yeah. the consumer always ends up paying for that. So, yeah, I wasn't alluding to, to liquor and marijuana being sold in the same spot. I, I wouldn't, I mean, it would be cool if Canada did it, but um, I don't think we will do that either. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you know, and the government's taking a pretty good approach. You know, they're, they know that the black market is the main source of supply right now, so they've, they've kept the taxation levels pretty low. You know, as you mentioned, in the U.S., some of the states start out with these huge levels of ta- taxation at different different uh, levels through the distribution chain, whereas the KF federal government has said, look, we're going to tax at 10% maximum, and uh, which is, you know, it's, it's a lot, but it's still not onerous. It's not going to affect the retail price too much, and then they're going to split that with the provinces. The provinces have, uh, they, you know, they can also add a different taxation at the provincial level, too, but it looks like. All in all, they're being pretty reasonable about the whole program. And, and I think they've learned also from going down into the U.S. And, and see what worked and what didn't down there. So, you know, we have the advantage of starting a little later. But, you know, Canada is going to be the first G7 country in the world to have a federally legal cannabis program. So, you know, all eyes are on Canada right now as we as we move forward, which is which is a pretty cool place to be.
1: Absolutely! Congratulations on that. I, I applaud that effort and the Canadian people and uh, everybody that that went ahead and, and, and made it legal. I'm hoping that um, you know that that opens up for clinical trials and all of the the much needed progress that's in the industry. I, I definitely applaud you for what you're doing for pets. I think you're strategically in place there. You're you're in a great spot. Obviously a, a, a well-established market. But also, one of the un- unknown things, I mean, you're, you're applicant number 48 out of 1,500 applicants So, uh, for your MM license in Canada. So that is, uh, you're way ahead of the game there. You're one of the earliest applicants. Let me ask you this, Darcy. Has... Um, Has the program reached out to you for advice or helping you shape regulations or are they looking, are they, are they reaching out to people inside the industry like you, who's obviously a leader? Is that something you've been able to participate in or have you just been able to make suggestions maybe from afar?
2: Yeah, you know, the government, the federal government and the provincial government has reached out at different times for, for input from, from companies and from the public And each time we've had an opportunity to, you know, to send forth some of our recommendations, which is is great. You know, I'm not sure if they're all going to be adopted or not, but um, I think the biggest one is we are hoping that naturopathic doctors would have the ability to actually, you know, prescribe cannabis. So that still remains to be seen. But I think under the recreational program, uh, naturopathic doctors can still, you know, recommend products. So that that will probably work. But, uh, yeah, you know... Things are going great. We're really happy with our pet division. And, you know, we have a really unique tagline called Return to Love. And that, of course, comes from the unconditional love that people get from their pets every day. But it also, you know, transfers to people, too, right? Like we can learn from our pets and become better humans as a result. So that Return to Love is our tagline for the entire company. Return to love to your pets and return to love to yourself and to, and to humankind at, at the same time, right? So it's... To Thailand, that we're really proud of and we think really resonates with, uh, with our consumers.
1: Absolutely. Well, Darcy, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. It's, it's been a great conversation, and I appreciate what you're doing for the industry. I, you're a pioneer, of course. I'm sure you hear this all the time with press releases and all the stuff and all the media attention that you're getting and all the success that you're having. But I really want to tell you thank you for what you're doing in the industry, and I wish you nothing but success in the future.
2: Hey, Sean, thank you very much for the opportunity. It's it's a great place to be right now, and then good luck with your show.
1: Absolutely. We do need to take a break, guys. When we come back, we'll be joined by Jay Kotzker, who is an attorney, and gonna, we're going to talk about social, political, um, and economical issues that are relevant in the cannabis industry here today. So stay tuned. And also, on the break, don't forget to check out Darcy's website at www.invest.truleaf.com and reach out to them. And if you're inclined Uh, Have some conversations about possibly investing. So don't go away. We'll be
0: right back. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Introducing Blue Moon CBD straight
4: from the bluegrass of Kentucky. With our special nano emulsion process, you'll not only get the best CBD available, you'll get more of it. Not all CBD is the same. It's your body. It's your choice. Get relief from inflammation, anxiety, and stress. Go to www.bluemoonhemp.com and use code HEMP420 for a 20% discount on your order. Balance your body. Balance your life. Make it Blue Moon CBD. CannabisRadio.com.
3: Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network.
0: I hope you didn't forget about us, because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com.
1: Welcome back to Blunt Business. I'm your host, Sean Eubanks, and we have Jay Kotzker on the show. Welcome back, Jay. Thanks. Appreciate it. Happy ha- New Year, Sean. Happy New Year to you. Thanks so much for coming on, man. We, uh, we have you on uh, at least one segment uh, for the podcast per week, and it's just been illuminating. So a lot of stuff going on in
6: California. Where do you want to start? Yeah, let's definitely start in California. Obviously, January 1st, recreational sales um, began out there, which is very exciting for the entire industry. Um, We're keeping an eye on things because it's a little bit of a patchwork system out there right now obviously you need to get your local jurisdiction approval and license before you can uh, get your license on the state level so we're looking at that very closely watching um, all of the hoopla and the hype that we experienced here in Colorado a number of years ago and uh, sharing in the the celebration with them and uh, when you're writing these licenses what is
1: the charge if someone's calling and saying okay I need to get my local license first and then I need to get the state license later what are the fees for that?
6: The fees are are pretty straightforward. We're doing local licenses for $25,000 here at StrainWise, um, and the state license are also $25,000. Both of those are required to be up and operational and, you know, as our listeners probably know and have heard through your number of podcasts and webinars, we're very proficient in that. We've got a number of clients currently in California and um, many around the country that we've done very similar work for with high success rates. And worth noting that that fee is the lowest in the country. Absolutely. Um, uh, we've actually been priced very, very strategically because we you know we won't we know that there's a very high barrier to entry for a lot of people. And you know, part of our, Our thinking here is there are people that don't have these vast sums of money that are very qualified, very passionate, um, that want to get in the industry. And and we're here to help them as well as, you know, the bigger players, the more um, corporate players that want to do the same thing. Okay. And is there anything you're seeing in the in the
1: California program? It, it was almost on autopilot. I feel like they'd already written these press releases already because it felt like on New Year's Day, it's all, oh, it's going gangbusters. It's the best program ever. But we know
6: there are glitches. Anything that you see that you're kind of concerned about? Uh, the, the only thing that, that I think of note right now for sure is that the, the statewide seed to sale tracking, what they call tra- track and trace system, uh, which is the metric system, which is what we use here in Colorado, mm-hmm. has is not up and running statewide just yet. so they're they're operating in a little bit of a fuzzy area where they're relying on licensed operators, uh, at least those operators that have their temporary licenses to you know to track the sales, to keep invoices, to have paper manifests and everything that they need to do to complete their books and records requirements um, to track um, the sale of the product through the, through the public.
1: Well, now, is everything going
6: to distribution centers already, or are they in the process of opening those? They're in the process of opening those. It's it's become very difficult, I think, for a lot of the retailers because they've been used to um, sourcing their supply of products, whether it's flour, concentrates, edibles, what have you, from anybody that they wanted to. And right. now they can only source those through licensed or at least temporary licensed operators. So uh, while every, I didn't hear many um, reports of shortages or anything in the stores uh, up to this point. I think what you'll see is as these retailers need to source products from licensed, legitimate operators, that they might have a little, a uh, little bit of trouble sourcing the quantities or the, you know, the different varieties that they've been looking for. Yeah, and I, I think I, there's, a, there's
1: two conversations that seems like that's going on in California right now. One is, yeah, we're legal on
6: January 1st, but I really don't have to do much until July, and that's just not true. It's certainly not. Obviously, the there were strict. Uh, emergency regulations that came out, uh, very voluminous. We've spent hours and hours poring over those uh, and, and have come to be very familiar with them. And those, I mean, those are requirements that they're obligated to keep now. Now, some some operators have until June to to get fully licensed, but that doesn't mean that they don't have to abide by those regulations now. Okay so strainwise is expanding top to bottom in the state
1: of California. Can you make an announcement on any of that stuff yet or is it still top secret?
6: Yeah, it's all still
1: very top secret. Uh, something is is coming soon though, I can assure you of that. Okay, is it uh, I'm trying to get it out of you another way. Is there anything that you're not involved with in California? Uh is there so there's there's a bunch of different licenses. You got delivery, micro business, processing, cultivation, retail is your it, is the vision to basically kind of uh, service all those markets or is there
6: something that you're avoiding? Well, the only thing we're avoiding right now is testing. Uh, it doesn't mean that we can't write a testing application for uh, for a client, mm-hmm. but um, we're not super engaged in that in that aspect of the industry, even though it's very important. Yeah, uh, We just don't have the, the you know, the laboratory experience, the technical know-how to, to really immerse ourselves in that license category.
1: Well, and there's some great players in that market already doing that, which is which is which complements the industry. What is your, and this is you kind of crystal balling it, what it you know, in, in Colorado, we test the, the the consumer wants to know what the yield is, what the potency is. Um, do you think, do you see California in the testing front more focused on pesticides or heavy metals or or the Cleanland? of cannabis
6: or do you think they're going to be eventually a potency buyer also? I think the potency is very important not only in the THC content of the the product but also in the other cannabinoids that are in there you know your CBDs your CBGs CBNs uh, consumers want to know what it is that they're purchasing mm-hmm. just like any other retail product um and so they're going to, you know, why they're going to be focused on potency because a lot of people, especially on the recreational side, are probably going to look for what's the most potent product out there? What's going to give right. me the, you know, the biggest euphoric high? But there's other consumers certainly that are going to be looking for other potency profiles uh, other uh, in, in other cannabinoids. Um, I think with California being, you know, very focused on on healthy living, on on organic lifestyle, you know, all of that, I think what you'll see is a, a, a high demand for, clearly labeled products that talk about the testing processes, you know, whether, um, there's any pesticides or residues in concentrates or edible products. So you're going to see a very heavy push for that as we've seen here in Colorado. Okay. And finally, if you have a message for a cultivator
1: out there, there are some numbers of 15,000 cultivators in the, in the triangle, right? Medicino County and others. Um, not all 15,000, in fact, a fraction of those are planning to go legal. How
6: big of a mistake is that, Jason? I think it's huge. It's it's really big. I mean, we we certainly didn't have the longstanding kind of gray market here in Colorado that they've had over the last 20 years in California. Um, and I think that gives the, the California operators a little bit of false sense of security, mm-hmm. um, just because of the way that the, the program has, has really been run um, for the last 20 years. But I assure you that in order to keep the, the federal government from poking its head into the state of California, California regulators are going to be very, very strict as far as uh, regulating, ensuring compliance and coming down on those illegal operators. Yeah. And, you know, if I could wave a magic wand, it would be,
1: you know, to put on a little bit more of a, a pure capitalist stance and say, look, let's keep taxes low to get all of those growers into the system and then show them that we're going to raise it income inclement, inclement, incrementally <laughs> thank you um but but isn't that doesn't that seem like if you're a grower you're like gosh i'm not going to pay that f- i'm not going to pay that up front i'm not going to pay this it's, it seems onerous from the beginning i mean california tends to do things their own way but wouldn't it be so much
6: easier if they just lowered it to get everybody in I think it would, um, for sure. But, you know, at the same time, what the state and the local governments are requiring as far as, you know, corporate documents, uh, standard operating procedures, security protocols, there are a number of things that a lot of maybe gray market operators have never really had to put together before, right? Their standing Mm -hmm. operator procedure was in their head. It was what they woke up and did every single day, and it wasn't Mm -hmm. something that they had to prove out to a governmental agency. So I think that that might be a barrier of entry as well. And I don't see, obviously, regulators relaxing that requirement. I know we're talking about
1: California a lot. It's the biggest market out there. And I know we got other things to cover. But wouldn't it make sense for these Cultivators, You you know your craft. You're one of the best in the world. There's no doubt about it. But you've got all this out-of-state competition moving in there. Wouldn't it make sense for those cultivators to partner with a consultant or someone that at least knows the market to get them up to speed to get ready for what is going to be intense competition?
6: I, I think it is. Absolutely. It would be to their advantage. Um, and, I, and I think a, a consulting company like Strainwise or others have the, the technical know-how and have the writers in-house that can memorialize and capture those standard operating procedures, some of those company policies and procedures and best practices, and help those people through the application process. Maybe we don't do the entire thing for them, but we can do those big, heavy lifting pieces to help them along the way. Yeah, I just hate
1: to see those guys, you know, doing the best they can and
6: thinking they're going to be
1: successful. And you've got, you know, Green solution and native roots and a couple others that are just
6: just kind of eating their lunch that's right you and know? you know I, I, and, I, and there's no there's no doubt that they've got tried and true practices out there I mean obviously that's that's the mecca of cannabis in this in the in the state or in the in the country rather yeah. and you know we would we would hate to see those operators and those kind of longstanding you know cultivation principles kind of go by the wayside in favor of you know big corporate giants yeah I mean for
1: what it's worth we are advocates of the legacy growers we respect where the industries come but we also at a necessity strain wise consulting and others just you have to move along you have to get over that hump and I totally understand they, they got to do things their way for for a long long time but man, if I could extend an olive branch, it's reach out to a consultant that you trust and try to get some great information to make sure that you can still keep doing what you
6: love to do. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better.
1: Okay. So I know, we, can we go on to Colorado now? Uh, before we get or to yeah, Colorado, yeah,
6: yeah. Uh, some big news out of this yeah. uh, out of Los Angeles, which obviously is is going to be a huge player in the California market. Um, just today, uh, the Department of Cannabis Regulation, which is heading the, the regulatory um, program in the city of Los Angeles, released its... Application, at mm-hmm. least it's pr- application for priority applicants, the the, uh, the Prop D applicants, the, the longstanding dispensary and collective operators in the city mm-hmm. that they can start applying for their temporary licenses now, which is a huge step um, just on the 31st. The, um, the department, you know, kind of released their rules and, you know, it was kind of slow to roll this program out, especially given the January 1 um, recreational opening, but they have, you know, kind of jumped on the bandwagon. They've opened up their application process and those pre-ICO Prop D operators only have 60 days to get their temporary license. So um, if you haven't secured a, a temporary license application yet, go to the website and download it. If you need help, Understanding what it says and what the uh, submission requirements are, which are pretty hefty, um, then, you know, reach out to a consultant and, you know, no one's better than us. Is there a part, you've got several clients in Los Angeles
1: area, massive, massive market. Um, Is there a particular area that you're not in
6: that you'd like to be in? Um, not right now. Not right now. I think uh, the city of Los Angeles and LA County specifically is is going to be a, a hotbed um, mm-hmm. and we've got clients uh, all over that right now. And, you know, we look forward to seeing what else opens there. And so anyone that wants to open up a Strainwise store or something like that is going to have
1: other Strainwise stores, other entities, a lot of support built in there, not only brand recognition, which in itself is incredible, which people are, are going to be reaching for if they haven't already figured that out already. Um, but but also just the idea that you've got partners. So if I just want to have a cultivation license or just a dispensary and I reach out to Strainwise, I know, okay, well, they've got other partners that are cultivating, processing, retail. So I've got a, a ready-made
6: system already to sell my products. Absolutely. There would be a huge support system built in there, um, not only for technical know-how, operational support, management support, but... But also making connections with other vendors, with other suppliers, um, ensuring that once you grow the product, you have, you know, good quality outlets to, to sell the product through. Um, in addition, you know, it, it never hurts to have, you know, to be under the umbrella of a, of a marketing strategy that includes a lot of different stores and a lot of different geographic locations. No, that's a great point. And because inside Los Angeles County is
1: probably 50 different micro markets. You know, and you go you only go several blocks and you've got entirely different demographic. And what people are finding out is their Apple store concept that works for this demographic fails over here and they're not able to sometimes I think they're they're in love with their concept. Instead of paying attention to what does the market want and what do they respond to and what other products, a real scientific approach using data and understanding and using a company like StrainWise, that has been in multiple markets from Puerto Rico all the way across the country. Those are all different markets and
6: you can draw on that experience. Absolutely. And I think it's short-sighted and foolish to think that one marketing strategy is going to fit all sizes and all demographics. What we've seen with our clients here in Colorado and elsewhere is that every store you know, needs a specific marketing strategy. The demographics of that neighborhood need to be evaluated, need to be understood and sales and product selection and marketing strategies need to be tailored for those. Great. Okay. A lot of stuff on California. Yeah. We're done with California All for right. the day. We'll keep an eye on things. We'll yes. check back in and then see how their rollout is going next time we meet. Well, having you on the show has been
1: incredibly successful. A lot of people calling and thanking and a lot of compliments. So I appreciate you being on here. I love this live news update that we're doing. So I appreciate you being here. Absolutely.
6: Colorado. Colorado. Um, a couple of new things, obviously with January one, there's new rules that rolled out. Um, Some exciting things there, Um, we got some clarification on how royalties are paid out, which is very important because um, for the longest time it was tough to license intellectual property, uh, branding, know-how, trademarks, patents, things like that into the Colorado market without um, those outsiders being considered owners, which was prohibited uh, until a short time ago. So we've got some clarification on that, which I think is really going to open the doors for a lot more innovation, a lot more uh, cross-state um, intellectual property sharing, which is exciting. Uh, mm-hmm. we've also created a brand new license category here in Colorado, uh, our marijuana research and development license, okay. um, which is great. It's, um, it's a license that's really outside the commercial realm. And it's really focused on either private or public institutions that want to research and develop, you know, clinical trials for, for the product, which is great. And it's an ancillary business. You don't have to register as a marijuana company. Well, you still have to go through the same um, background checks and the same licensing process with the Department of Revenue, Marijuana Enforcement Division, uh, state regulatory bodies, but it's just a non-commercial license.
1: Just maybe if you call it, you know something non-cannabis, R&D, maybe you can keep your bank account. Maybe.
6: (laughs) Fingers crossed (laughs) on that. Fingers crossed on that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, another thing, and we touched on it a little bit ago with the potency testing in California. There's some revised and clarified potency rules here in Colorado about especially... Um, trying to how those potency tests are, are taken, how the samples are taken, when the frequency needs to be done. Uh, in the past, it was, you know, you had to go through a number of potency validations for a specific strain within mm-hmm. a certain number of weeks. And then thereafter, it was, you know, one test every six months. Uh, what we found here in Colorado was that that, di- that we got a really good baseline initially And then after that, you really kind of lost track of the strain's potency, only testing it, you know, twice a year. Mm -hmm. So they're revising that and they're moving it back. So once every quarter, then um, every strain, once it's validated, has to be retested. And it's just a good way to keep continuity in in the potency results and to ensure that the customers understand what's in the product that they're getting. So just cut in half from six months to three months, not too expensive for the businesses, right? I mean, it's certainly going to add a cost. I mean, you mm-hmm. think about a, a large-scale cannabis cultivator probably produces in the range of 40 to 50 strains. Mm-hmm. Um, doubling the amount of tests that they're going to have to do certainly adds a, a you know an increase to their bottom line. But you know, it's it's healthy for the customer. It's, mm-hmm. it's a way to say, hey, look, we're, we're committed to providing the most accurate and up-to-date results that we can provide to customers and to consumers. And I think it's a good way for the, the state to step in and say, you know, we just want to make sure that, you know, all the way through the supply, everyone understands what the product is, what it tests at and, you know, how it's being, you know, disseminated out into the public. Well, and that's
1: a great point about the customer too, because yeah, it is an expense for the business, but it's, you know, it seemed like there was a, there was a loophole there to game the system, you know, where everyone, all the emphasis was focused on getting a certain test potency and then riding that marketing wave until you had to test it again.
6: That's right. I mean, and there's, you know, with different, with different strain types, there's certainly a fluctuation in the potency. So mm-hmm. if you set your baseline after your first four or five tests, and then you don't test the strain again for six months, you're talking about a a number of iterations of of that strain and the potency could change. So it's just a clarifying information that customers get. Excellent. Yeah. One final thing that is yeah. like kind of along those same lines, there's some new packaging and labeling requirements. I think what state regulators want to see is that some of the, the white noise on the packaging and the labeling is cleaned up a little bit. Okay. Um, that the, the you know, the warning statements, uh, the potency statements, um, how they are, how big they are, how they're highlighted, where they are on the on the product packaging is made a little bit more clear so that the customer has an ease of recognition okay and give me an idea when when
1: changes like this are happening i mean colorado does a lot right they really do Um, is this a slow rollout or are they giving deadlines or all of a sudden they're saying hey here are the new labeling because labeling can be expensive when you're changing you know a batch of fifty thousand or whatever Um, have they done a good job of rolling that out in your opinion
6: I think they have. I mean, and what we've seen over the last couple of years is typically around, you know, August or September, redlined versions of what the upcoming rules will start rolling out to uh, stakeholders, people working Mm -hmm. in the industry. There's a a very robust public comment, public participation, industry participation. Part part that goes along with it, and they you know they get some feedback and they make twist, um tweaks along the way, and then the final rules roll out towards the you know towards the end of November, beginning of December, and usually most of them have an implementation date of January first. Um, a lot of times, if it's something that's going to require a little bit of lead time, especially something like this, where you're talking about packaging and labeling that is ordered in large quantities, um, they're going to give you a little bit of lead time. For example, the packaging and labeling requirements that just came into effect um, are not mandatory until June of, of 2018. So it gives operators a little bit of time to start making those tweaks, start you know working through the, the supply of packages and labels that they have now, and then work towards uh, the new compliance standards in June. Well, that's okay. it for today. That's all I got for this week. Hey, thanks
1: so much for, for uh, jumping on the show here. We appreciate it. Always a pleasure having you and always um, uh, just an enlightening conversation. Absolutely. My pleasure. And I want to thank you all for joining us on this episode of Blunt Business. Uh, you can download episodes of our program by going to CannabisRadio.com, BluntBusinessRadio.com, or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and now iHeartRadio. Have an outstanding rest of your week, everyone. Talk to you next
0: week. Bye-bye.